Hi and welcome. I believe that God's love and wisdom is far deeper and wider than we can ever imagine. Uh, my name is Mike and I'm so glad that you decided to join us. You know, when I was younger, I used to really look up to the pastors and the spiritual leaders of our community and of this world. You know, when I was younger, I was very naive in thinking that these are men and women of God who have been set apart from the rest of this world, that they are servants of God, that they have this higher calling, and that they are immune to sin, and that they are uh, pure, and that there is uh, nothing evil or immoral about them. But as I got older, and as I, as I seen in the news, as I seen uh, many Christian leaders and pastors who have fallen away, it just reminds me that uh, we are all people, even pastors, uh, even the leaders, that they are all human beings. And because we, of that situation, uh, we are also prone to sin and that we are affected and we are uh, lured by worldliness. And I'm sure that when they started off their ministry, they didn't start with that intention or with that in mind. But slowly as they let their guards down, uh, we see how corruption can set in and how sin can easily entangle them, uh, as we'll see in this chapter. Judges chapter 8, verses 22 through 35. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, We'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Median, or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Thus, Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace forty years. Jerubbaal, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had seventy sons of his own for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. 
No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Berith as their god and did not remember the Lord their god who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, that is, Gideon, in spite of all the good things he had done for them. And as we are finishing up chapter 8 in the book of Judges, uh, we've seen up until now just an amazing thing happen in the call and the life of Gideon and how remarkable it was that when this man who had doubts uh, to be called as a leader, as a general of an army, and, and yet God comforted him and God revealed to him that you will be used and that I am with you, and how he used such a small army, uh, not so that it can show off the power, the might, and the skill of the Israelites, but this was to point and to show that God is the one who is behind them, uh, enabling them to victory. And so as this is happening, the, the 300 men that were chosen to go into battle, this whole scenario uh, reminds me of the whole David and Goliath kind of parallelism. Uh, just like Goliath uh, was an enemy, he was a sight to behold. Uh, in the same way, the enemies here were large, they were vast, there were thousands of them. And David, who was this poor shepherd boy, and here we see 300 men, such, such a few number, going against a, a mightier, bigger, stronger army. And who comes out victorious? It's the underdog. It's the one that you wouldn't have imagined that people would not bet on these people to be victorious. And so even the odds uh, were not in their favor. Uh, we see it's because that they put their trust in God. And so after witnessing this huge development, after seeing that they are, are now freed from their enemies, uh, the Israelites, they decide that they want to make Gideon their king, their ruler, their leader. They've seen him lead them to victory um, in a military standpoint, and now they believe that he can do that for them uh, for their lives in their day-to-day -day living. Uh, and so well, what's going on is that this is being offered not just to Gideon, but to his children and to his grandchildren. And if this were us, if this was offered to us, think of how lucrative, think of how promising that must be to have your family line, to have your children, your grandchildren being set up uh, to be stable for their lives. And so this was being offered to Gideon, but he wisely declines. And he says that this is not for him to take upon this role. So we don't know the reasons behind why he, he says no. Uh, maybe he felt unfit to, to lead an entire nation. Uh, maybe he saw how things turned out in the past, in the history of, of Israel and the, the previous rulers and kings and how they all fell into corruption and sin. And he didn't want to follow in that pattern. We don't know. But Gideon was humble enough to choose the right path, uh, respectfully declining and the offer to become their king. 
And so the Israelites, they had not learned their lesson in terms of seeing what happens when they place a human being in uh, the seat of, of a king. And they saw in the past how wicked they were and how they led them to living a very immoral life. Why would they want to go and repeat that pattern? And I don't understand why they would uh, develop that and fall into that same pattern. And so we see how wicked and how evil the previous kings are. And it can easily, we can see a history repeating itself if they elect a human as their king. And so I love the humility and, and the answer that Gideon gives them, that he understood that it wasn't his place to grapple and to be uh, their king and their leader. And so uh, as things continue on in this chapter, uh, even though he starts off very humble, the, we see that things slowly start to change. And it begins with this first mistake that Gideon makes. And what happens is that as he has led them to victory, he makes a small request. He asks them if they can all give him just one earring, one gold earring. And for the people, this wasn't a big deal. It was just one article, one small piece. But when everyone gave their earring, it all added up. And it was said that it amounted to 50 pounds or 22 kilograms worth of gold. And that was a huge treasure for Gideon to take away. You know, for Christians, for leaders, um, as pastors, uh, I was always taught that we should never live above the line of uh, financial status of the average person in your congregation. You don't want to live above them, but you want to live just in the median uh, so that you can learn to walk with them and so that you will not have too much. But this, I believe, he has crossed the line. He is asking too much and he has uh, gained the riches from the people that they just had uh, victoriously fought against their enemies. And because of this, because of all these riches, uh, we see that he had many sons. And it tells in the scripture, it says that he had 70 sons. Uh, this shows that he had an appetite for lust, but also that he had the wealth to support all these children that he had. And so we see at the end of his life, the moral decline and the spiritual decline of Gideon, and that he does not end well because he did not fear God and he took this opportunity for a financial gain. Now Gideon is a very interesting character and you have to give him credit for how he began his life. Uh, he began with humility, he began trusting in God, and even though he questioned uh, we see that his confidence rose as he saw that it was evident that God was with him and that God had spoken to him. Um, but as we look at the end of his life, it, didn't, it doesn't nearly match the way that he started. And it all started with one bad decision. And that's something that we need to guard ourselves against, uh, especially when it comes to finances and when it comes to money. Uh, that we know that uh, money does not discriminate. It affects anyone of any status, of any kind of background. And I hope and pray that for us, that we 
would guard our hearts from uh, the financial gains, that we won't allow these things to corrupt our hearts and our thinking, uh, but rather that we would learn to be generous, that we would learn to follow God's leading and the way that He is uh, placing us in this life. And so can we pray and ask that for that in, our, in us as well. Uh, God, we pray, Lord, that you will grant us wisdom. Help us to be humble in the decisions that we make and that we will guard our hearts with finances and that we will learn to trust in you and, and learn to look at you at all times. And so we live ourselves, may we live lives that bring you honor and glory. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. For a single soul, reaching a further and stepping in closer.